at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And we're focusing now on a series of programs on Family Sanctuary on issues surrounding the dignity of the person, especially on the issue of abortion. With the fall of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs Supreme Court decision, abortion is again front and center. And there are efforts in almost every state, including ours, to make abortion a right in our state constitution. So now is the time to understand the truth about abortion, the science, and also what our church teaches, because there are so many lies that you will hear and probably already have in the media, online, and even perhaps from family and friends. So now's the time to learn and share the truth. So today our program is on um is on the issue of abortions safety for mothers. Is abortion safe for mothers? Um, Because often when the issue is discussed, and and you will hear this frequently, well, abortion is safer than childbirth. Now, we actually have done an entire program on that issue, uh, the the maternal mortality argument, which you can find in our podcast uh, with Dr. Bowles, Dr. Brent Bowles, called uh, How Safe Are Abortions and and Is Abortion Safer Than Childbirth. But what about other lies that you will often hear about abortion? Well, there aren't any emotional complications. Women are just glad that they've had their abortions or there really aren't physical complications. Uh, Well, today our guest is going to give us the actual research on those subjects. Our guest is Dr. Christina Francis. She's a board-certified OBGYN, uh, currently works in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as an OBGYN hospitalist. Uh, She completed medical school at Indiana University and completed her OBGYN residency at St. Vincent Hospital in uh, Indianapolis. And she's now the CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Uh, She's also an associate scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute, a board member of Indiana Right to Life, and a physician member of the Abortion Pill Reversal Network. She's always had a passion for human rights, spending a significant portion of her time in various countries working tirelessly on behalf of women and children. And her opinions and research has, uh, has been shared in the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, and USA Today, and of course, some of the wonderful scholarly uh, uh, resources that are available on the Applog website, aaplog.com. So Dr. Christina Francis, welcome to our program. Uh, we're just really thrilled that you could spend the time with us today to help dispel this lie that abortion is actually safe for women. Mothers, we should say. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Peggy. I appreciate being on with you. And and let me ask you just to briefly tell us about Applog and uh, the kinds of resources that are available on your site. Yeah, absolutely. So Applog is uh, the largest 
professional medical organization in the world that represents pro-life medical professionals. Uh, we started out as a special interest group within the American College of OBGYNs 50 years ago and uh, and then became our own organization in 2013. And we now have approximately 7,000 members, again, all over the country and even some international members as well. And we exist to equip uh, and encourage our members with the medical evidence that supports their pro-life practice, that recognizes that when we're caring for pregnant women, we are in fact caring for two distinct patients, and our job as physicians is to provide both of them with excellent health care. Wow. Well, you know, so many women, I'm sure you, you know this and we know it, through our work in pregnancy centers, many of our of our clients and pregnancy help centers and pregnancy help medical clinics have had abortions in the past. Uh, they they're coming to us sometimes for the emotional effects that they've experienced from those abortions, and sometimes also uh, from the physical effects. So they're telling us their stories constantly. We know. Uh, from the actual women themselves, that uh, abortion does have lasting complications for many, many women. So share with us some of the research on that, because I know I know all the stories, <laughs> but their research, the medical research is there and it's being ignored by people on the other side who are arguing that abortion is safe for women. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're right. You know, the the bulk of the medical literature actually supports our position that induced abortion is not healthcare. Um, you know, but we believe too that even if a woman is going to make a choice to have an abortion, at the very least, of course, we would we would desire that she not make that choice, not only for the sake of the life of her child, but also for her own sake. But at the very least, if she's going to make that choice she deserves fully informed consent, which means being aware of the risks of any procedure or medication she might be considering. And so, you know, again, people can go to our website, as you said, applog.org for, for more in-depth information. But just as an overview, when we look at the major harms that are caused to women by induced abortion, of course, there's the immediate ones that that I think probably people are are well aware of that they could have a significant risk of hemorrhage or really heavy bleeding that might require blood transfusion or hospitalization. They could have a risk of damage to their their uterus or their cervix. Um, there's something called a uterine perforation where surgical instruments actually puncture a hole in the uterus that can lead to hemorrhage. It could lead to the need for a hysterectomy. It could lead to damage of other organs within the pelvis. Um, risk of infection. We know that one of the leading causes of death from induced abortion is actually infection and sepsis. So these are all immediate risks that are associated with uh, abortion, whether we're talking about surgical abortions or chemical abortions. But I think what a lot of people don't always think about or, or know about are the long-term uh, physical and mental consequences for women. Um, I know that you had a, a radio program recently where Dr. Bowles touched on uh, or talked about the, the link between abortion and breast cancer. So that's a long-term consequence um, that I won't rehash because I'm sure that he did an excellent job talking about that. Um, but one of the greatest risks is the link between induced abortion, specifically surgical abortions, and preterm birth in future pregnancies. This is one of the most well-proven risks of induced abortion that we know about. There's more than 160 studies now over the last five decades that show 
a direct causal relationship between induced abortion and preterm birth and future pregnancies, and not just any preterm birth. So if we do a little bit of definitions here, it's my job as an OB sometimes. Um, a term birth would be a delivery at 37 weeks of gestation or beyond. Preterm would be anything before 37 weeks. And, you know, if a baby's born at 35 or 36 weeks, they still have some risks of prematurity, but typically those babies will do relatively well. Um, it's the the ones that are very preterm that we're concerned about. So happening at, at 34 or even 32 weeks and, and prior to that in pregnancy. And these very preterm births are the ones that we see an increased risk of after surgical abortions. And the more abortions a woman has in her lifetime, the higher her risk of preterm birth. So it, it increases exponentially with each subsequent abortion that she has. It exponentially increases her risk of preterm birth and future pregnancies. And even the Institute of Medicine has actually acknowledged this. They've acknowledged that induced abortion is an immutable risk factor for preterm birth and future pregnancy. Immutable meaning there's nothing you can do to change it. So I often talk to people about, you know, most people know that cigarette smoking in pregnancy increases a woman's risk of delivering preterm. However, that's a mutable or a changeable risk factor. So if a mom stops smoking, then she can decrease her risk of a preterm birth. That's not the case when a woman has had an abortion in her past. Once it's done, that damage has been done and her risk of preterm birth then due to that cannot be changed. And wow. so this is really significant for women and the health of their children. Yes, that term immutable risk. Who did you say uh, uses that term, Dr. Dr. Christina? Yeah, yeah. The in so the Institute of Medicine, um, which now has, has changed their, their name to the National Academy of Science. So um, the same the same ones who a few years ago came out with their handbook of why abortion is so safe actually in the past has acknowledged and and still acknowledges actually um that it is listed as one of the risk factors for preterm birth and you know we have a national crisis in the developed world we have one of the worst rates of preterm birth and the subsequent morbidity and mortality for children that that causes in the developed world mm -hmm. and i think despite multiple campaigns to you know get pregnant women not to smoke to have prenatal care so that different um, conditions can be diagnosed and treated that could lead to preterm birth but they're not addressing this very real risk factor mm -hmm. um, which is prior abortions in a woman's life and so you know just if, if i have time to share one one anecdotal story of a patient that i cared for um i sat with her as she lost her fifth or sixth child um, to a condition called cervical insufficiency, where the cervix is simply not strong enough to hold a baby in to the point where that baby can survive outside a mom. And this was despite having had a stitch placed in her cervix called a cerclage that's meant to, to give extra strength to her cervix to hold the baby in, but that had failed. And she lost yet another very, very mm. wanted, very desired child. And I sat and cried with her mm -hmm. as she grieved the loss of yet another child. And when I looked back in her history, her first two pregnancies, when she was very young, she was a teenager, had ended in surgical abortion. Mm -hmm. And I just, and now she had no living children and she right. desperately wanted a child. And I just thought I, maybe she would have made the same choice, you know, all that, all those years ago. But what if, what if somebody had just taken the time to tell her? 
this is something that you could face in the future. You could face loss of your future children if you abort your child now. Would she have made a different choice? Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe she would have. At the very least, she deserved that information. Sure. And of course, that's one of the things we believe in so strongly in the pregnancy help movement uh, and pregnancy help medical clinics that women really need to know the truth mm-hmm. about abortion and the risks that they may face uh, in subsequent pregnancies and um, and even as you said, short-term risks of hemorrhage and and potential mortality for themselves, uh, but particularly risk for for their their childbearing in the future. Uh, women just are being kept in the dark, and um, for the motive, I think of of the financial gain of those who are promoting abortion uh, all around the world. Uh, and population control as well. They believe certain people should be having children and certain people shouldn't, <laughs> sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when and Now, Dr. Francis, when you talk about um, the subsequent morbidity and mortality that is involved uh, with a history of abortion, explain what those terms mean. Uh, if women have had abortions in the past uh, and have premature births, uh, which mm-hmm. are definitely linked to the features such as an incompetent cervix, a cervix that won't um, maintain the, the strong hold to protect that baby inside the womb until it's ready to be born. Um, there's subsequent morbidity and mortality you mentioned. What do those terms mean? Yeah, absolutely. So in general, morbidity means um, you know adverse health outcomes that might occur, and then mortality, of course, meaning meaning death. So, so there's increased morbidity and mortality for that baby if that baby's born prematurely. So depending on how far along in the pregnancy uh, a woman is when she delivers, that child, the the risks of prematurity, especially severe prematurity, include blindness, include cerebral palsy, include um, bleeding in the brain because the blood vessels in the baby's brain aren't, uh, aren't very well developed and so they can burst easier and cause bleeding in the brain, which can lead to brain damage. Um, you know, chronic respiratory conditions, babies that are born very preterm, many times have to be on respiratory supports for an extended amount of time, if not the rest of their lives. So these are, these are health conditions then that are going to occur in their future children potentially because they were born preterm. And of course we know that one major contributor to neonatal mortality or death is prematurity. In fact, it's it's the most um, significant contributor. So we're looking at that for baby, but then also if we look at mom, what are the risks to mom's health in the future if she delivers her babies prematurely? Well, I'm sure Dr. Bowles probably touched on the fact that preterm birth prior to 32 weeks can increase a woman's risk of breast cancer in the very same way that an induced abortion prior to 32 weeks does. Um, so if she has a preterm delivery in future pregnancies, that can that can increase her risk of breast cancer even further. But also there's been some some very interesting studies that have looked at women with a history of preterm birth actually have a higher rate of cardiovascular disease and stroke later in life. Hmm. And so we are impacting women's health for years and years to come. And when we look at, you know, you touched on, a population of women that has been the long-term target of the abortion industry, and that is minority women and women of um, lower socioeconomic status. You know, we know that black women have about a three times higher rate of abortion than do white women. 
They also have a higher rate of breast cancer. They also have a higher rate of cardiovascular disease and stroke. It's certainly not all due to their increased uh, rate of abortions, but we're compounding that. And so not only are we targeting um, their children in the immediate with abortion, we're targeting their future children because they're more likely to be born preterm. And in fact, that's what we see, that black women have a much higher preterm birth rate than do white women. Um, and then we're also targeting their future health through cardiovascular disease, stroke, and breast cancer. And so this really is an all-out assault on not only preborn children, but also the health, immediate and long-term health of women with a much larger impact on minority women. That is that is amazing and very frightening and not well understood at all by most people, for sure. Well, our guest today, I want to reintroduce Dr. Christina Francis, who's a board-certified OBGYN, currently working in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as an OBGYN hospitalist. Uh, she is the president of uh, the CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. She's well-published, uh, not only in the research that you'll find on aplog.com, A-A-P-L-O-G.com, but also has uh, had pieces in the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, and USA Today. So she's talking to us today about the topic, is abortion safe for mothers? <coughs> so Dr. Francis, let's talk a little bit about the safety of the abortion pill, which now is about 70% of all abortions in the United States. Um, is it safer than surgical abortion for women? Well, so uh, the the studies say no. <laughs> so, you know, of course, uh, no kind of abortion is, is safe for women. No kind of abortion is safe for our fetal patients either. Um, but a very common misconception uh, is because of the lies that are being told by the abortion industry is that, uh, you know, chemical abortions, they're just pills. So they're safer than surgery. But in fact, the, the evidence shows that they are much more dangerous than surgical abortions, about four times more dangerous, a four times higher rate of complications than for surgical abortions. And, you know, going back to the, the link with preterm birth and abortion, a subset of women that have the highest risk of preterm birth due to abortion are women that begin their abortions chemically. So they begin their abortions with pills and then have to have their abortions completed surgically, which if used in the first 10 weeks of pregnancy will be about 8% of women will have to have surgical completions of their abortions. Those women, that subset of women, have a 300% increased risk of preterm birth and future pregnancies. So again, not only do we have a four times higher complication rate immediately from chemical abortions than we do from surgical abortions, but we're impacting the women, women's future health um, in a more significant way as well. Mm, that is frightening when we consider that so many medical, so-called medical abortions or chemical abortions are taking place. And uh, again, you're right, women are, they think, oh, this is just a pill. No one, unless they've come to a pregnancy help center, pregnancy help medical clinic, no one has explained to them the actual problems and complications from this uh, chemical that they are putting into their body. Um, tell me, is there research 
on your site specifically that talks about the abortion pill for those who say, well, I, I don't know whether I believe that. I've, I've heard that it's safe and it's just a pill. Uh, does the Applog site give us some research on that for those who really uh, want to, to know the actual studies involved and how this research was developed? Absolutely. So if you go to applog.org, um, under our resources tab, we have a few different documents, actually. Um, one that explains chemical abortion, explains the dangers of that, where the where the drugs came from. We have another that explains the dangers of what the FDA has done in removing safeguards uh, that were meant to protect the health and safety, or at least um, minimize the, the complications for the benefit of the health and safety of women and girls. Um, and so that's all in there. The other place that I would refer people to right now actually is um, ADFlegal.org. So Alliance Defending Freedom is representing us as one of the plaintiffs in a case against the FDA over the approval process of mifepristone, one of the two drugs in the chemical abortion regimen. And um, our original complaint that was filed is, it's a bit of a long document, but it's actually very good in explaining the whole history of how this drug came to be approved in the US, what the dangers are, how we as an organization have spoken to those dangers for the last 23 years, and, and they can stay up to date on, on where that lawsuit stands as well through that website. Yes. When we talk about the political, the politicalization of this whole issue of women's health and those promoting abortion, 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 uh, the, the strategies, the tactics they've used, some, some of them uh, have involved our own government, the FDA, for example. And I know your lawsuit points out uh, and a judge has agreed up to this point uh, with the, the points in that lawsuit that 20 years ago when the abortion pill was approved, um, the FDA ignored its own guidelines for the approval of drugs. <laughs> they simply, you know, uh, whitewashed the process and sent it through, um, not even following their own procedures. So we've had an effort from from some administrations in our government, our own country's government, uh, to promote abortion for the sake of promoting abortion uh, against their own guidelines. And so now we're seeing, of course, as the pill has become much more prominent and the FDA has continued to, to do, the government has continued to take steps such as now allowing the abortion pill instead of its original guidelines, at least the first pill was administered in a doctor's office or a clinic, an abortion clinic. There was some testing of women ahead of time uh, to see if there were certain health conditions that would make it even more dangerous for them to take this pill. That was all abandoned. And now the, the uh, abortion pill can be um, can be gotten uh, by through telemed. And of course, now I'm sure some of the audience has heard that the uh, FDA is promoting uh, drugstores, Walgreens and CVS to just be uh, providing them in their pharmacies. So so this push by our own government, by the FDA to ignore its own studies and, and processes for approving drugs is just almost mind boggling, even for a person like me who's been involved in the pro-life movement since 1973. This is just a disaster, not only for the babies, but also for the mothers. And um, 
thank goodness we have abortion pill reversal as a, a potential safety net for women who change their minds after they've taken the first pill. Um, and I let me give the option nine number, 1-800-712-4357, uh, which also answers calls for the abortion pill reversal network, which you are part of also, Dr. Christina, thank you. Um, Oh, and we will have programs in our podcast. In fact, we do already on abortion pill reversal. Uh, but yet it's 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 just a tragedy to see women um, getting the pills now, even illegally over the Internet from countries we don't even know where they're coming from and uh, disasters for women's health. So I'm mm-hmm. sure as an OBGYN and in an emergency room situation, isn't it true, Dr. Francis, that uh, the Lozier Institute research showed that with the uh, use of the abortion pill, with the increase, something like a 500% increase in in women coming into emergency rooms uh, mm-hmm. with it, with bleeding and hemorrhaging, isn't that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a very good study that was done that looked at um, Medicaid registry data and showed, as you said, between 2002 and 2015. So this was when even the original safeguards were in place and it was only being used through seven weeks gestation, that the incidence of emergency room visits related to complications from chemical abortion increased by more than 500% to the point where by 2015, 35% of women who had uh, taken the chemical abortion drugs uh, presented to the emergency room Mm -hmm. with a complication of some sort. So this, you know, this is a a significant number of women, but I, you know, I think it also, this, this lack of any sort of interaction now, meaningful interaction with a medical professional to, to counsel a woman, to give her fully informed consent, you know, brings up the, the sort of final risk that I wanted to make sure that we touched on, which is the risk to a woman's mental health. Um, from an abortion in general, um, but certainly we're seeing it a lot with chemical abortions as well. And I know that there are probably women who are listening to this. I know that there are women who call in through your options line who um, who have experienced abortion in their past and who understand profoundly the effect, the negative effect that that can have on a woman's mental health. Absolutely. And doctor, unfortunately, we're going to have to stop there because we have a hard deadline here. We we need to (laughs) to end this program, but we've left the whole amazing subject and sad subject of the emotional complications. We will be covering that in another program. So please, again, thank you so much, Dr. Christina Francis, for being our expert today. And you're listening to The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn. You will find this program and others, particularly those in our series on abortion in our podcasts uh, on our website, also on the St. Gabriel app. And uh, look in the podcast for, for Family Sanctuary. You can search the word abortion and find our series on abortion. And listen again to the Family Sanctuary broadcast on Saturdays at four and Sundays at two to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Sanctuary.